0: is another episode of Seek Find and today we have the Berlin-based uh, fashion designer Melissa Minka um, and Melissa works with a lot of upcycling, um, really sustainable fashion, um, but also like really sexy, really cool. Um, so hi, thanks for coming on.
1: Hi, thank you. Very sexy, very cool. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I gave a bit of an intro, but would love to hear you kind of give a bit of a a background on yourself and, um, yeah, what you're up to.
1: Sure. Um, I would start with the label fashion designer. I would rather uh, call myself an upcycler. And I think this comes from the fact that I didn't study fashion and I feel like, Fashion design is um, is a craft that I didn't learn. And so I feel like maybe it's not really my place to call myself that. So um, I just, I go with Upcycler. And uh, the name is Minca. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a Slovak surname and it actually means a, a coin and Very people cool. just say Minka all the time. but Sorry,
0: I've been mispronouncing yeah, it this whole no time.
1: <laughs> Everybody does that, it's
0: okay. Um, that's right, cool. So yeah. you, you
1: wanted to know something about me.
0: Something um, anything forward. you want to share? Yeah, maybe like how you made your way to Berlin, um, how long you've been here, like what that has done in, in terms of influencing your craft.
1: All right. Um, so I've, I've been here six years and I moved here after finishing my studies in Edinburgh. And I moved here with, like, not really a plan. I mean, that's just the biggest Berlin cliche. Like, <laughs> just comes yeah. here to follow their dreams or whatever. But um, I... Yeah, so I came here. I was trying to like find a job, and it, it wasn't quite working. Nobody really cared that I have a diploma from a top university, <laughs> even no. though I, I spoke German. Yeah, but yeah that, I was. I was really. Um, I was really uh, excited, and I uh, really loved the fact that um, it looked like the people here, the people I've been meeting, were. Kind of doing really just the cliche I just described, like coming here and, and following whatever um, they wanted to do, and that it was actually possible. I think Berlin is still mm-hmm. one of the few places in Europe, w- which is like a capital, but also mm-hmm. the the ratio between the standard of living and the, the amount of money you need to you know live a, an okay life is is still quite. Is still quite okay so uh, i think that's what makes it possible i would also argue that uh, the german uh, welfare system saved my ass to an extent because when i couldn't find the job then um, i just uh, became unemployed and that's how um, i was able to start sewing and uh, I was okay, I was technically looking for a job but I was mm-hmm. kind of also buying time and I think some people would have a problem with that but I think it's actually quite legit I don't know how many people know exactly what they want to do after they finish uni but this this was a really good um, Time to uh, to just kind of figure it out. And then that's kind of mm-hmm. how I got into sewing. I was really into fashion my whole life, my mom is a super fashionista. And uh, I just I felt like to really know fashion or like to become closer to it, one should know how how things are made, and that, that's what drew me to it to just explore and learn about how things are made and then from that um i kind of uh went into upcycling because um because of my studies i always had close to sustainability and uh politics and uh, i just couldn't imagine like getting a fabric in a in a shop and then just Mm. drawing it with my stupid experiments when i didn't really know how to sew so i went to a flea market and got a bunch of sheets and stuff like that Mm. so um and then it just kind of grew from there i became more uh, more and more interested and Uh, this whole world of you know anything can be upcycled any old thing and uh, textiles come in such a variety that uh, it's really the possibilities are endless and this is I think the most fun for me about upcycling
0: Mm. and so your your studies are actually focusing on on politics and sustainability then yes that's cool very cool (laughs) um and I I mean I guess you were also finding a job just in a different way right like when you were uh, unemployed
1: right of course I was Mm. I mean I you know I have to say at times when I went there they did treat me as if Uh, I'm the person from the east who just came here for the benefits and Mm. they didn't really hide that approach like they told me to my face basically asked me are there no jobs in Slovakia why are you here and I'm just like man like I have every right to be here and I'm sorry that nobody wants to give me a job like I tried you know totally yeah
0: (laughs) yeah I mean um for me too like I also found it really difficult to find a job when I first moved to Berlin, and I think that's maybe a common thing that I've heard from from a number of people. Maybe as well, people who came around the time that we did, because I came mm-hmm. just a bit after you. But mm-hmm. um, because there have been for for a number of years now, so many people moving to Berlin, yeah, um, and a lot of creatives too, and a lot of people who who are kind of seeking something. Yes. Yeah, um, but cool. So you've uh, done really well at what you're doing, like especially in Berlin, you're really involved in the community here. Um, you've been featured in so, a number of campaigns, I think, including one for Adidas, um, some other some other ones. Um, how do you feel now, like years later, now that you've been, been doing it for so long um, do you feel pretty comfortable in what you're doing? Like, do you still have to do things outside of it to like supplement? Um, are you getting all of your creative juice like from doing this, or do you have other creative projects going on?
1: Okay, that yeah, many. It's questions. a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely don't feel comfortable. Um, not after this year. Mm. I think I was feeling pretty okay before Corona that I was actually, that was the two years into uh, this uh, operation. And uh, at that time I was kind of wanting 2020 to be more about me networking and just like getting to know people. Mm -hmm. Because this is like, what I do is actually quite a nice, um, it has a nice way of meeting people uh, they come to the studio and like, yeah, it, it's it's. I never had really had this like before. Before I started this, um, I had a few friends, and I don't have a problem with that. I don't need many friends, but I felt like a little bit of like a stranger in this in this city, and now it's a bit different. And so, last year, I I wanted to take a little bit of a break from sewing, but not like a complete break, but just like do it a little bit less because it was becoming a little bit unsustainable. Um, physically, <laughs> mm-hmm. sewing all day long is really hard. Like um, I, I was I caught myself thinking about, you know, like just fast fashion and how people do this all day long, every day, you know, six days a totally. week, seven days a week. And like, it really takes a toll. And so uh, I wanted to take a little bit of a step back from that and just network, and uh, that was because I just felt kind of like that's necessary for the next step. Maybe meet a partner, because I keep uh, you know looking at like what other people are doing, and there's a few people that are alone, but many brands are partners, you know, so at least two people, and I think I'm really mm-hmm. missing that. I I just. It's a lot for one person to do all this, and also I don't feel like I have this, like business acumen, you know, in me. <laughs> like I would just rather um, sew and create and just do all this. I, I know this is another cliche, but I would really appreciate somebody by my side who just tell me, like, okay, we're gonna do this this way, we're gonna do that that way, and you just mm-hmm. keep sewing your your clothes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the next thing you ask me whether. Um, I have another creative thing I actually don't um, I don't really have a lot of time to do anything else which is kind of sad but at the same time I don't really need anything else like this uh, this is giving me all I need yeah Um, but maybe it would be good and you know that that just it's just the question of time really like Mm -hmm. Uh, or making time more like i feel like i'm still in this kind of phase where i'm just like full-on 100 percent giving everything to this so doing anything else i i think i'd feel guilty i'd feel weird Mm -hmm. like i'm not working so what am i doing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh, i think it needs to come because it, it might just be a bit unhealthy to be so into one thing and not doing anything else Mm -hmm. i don't know in my free time i watch a lot of documentaries that's kind of my hobby i just uh i don't know i just want to know everything about everything like i just (laughs) want to know the world and i want to understand it and i think this is very important to me because i just want to make informed steps in in this uh, what i do just make it better and make it not just for me but try to think about first and foremost like how is this you know fit in the bigger picture like what is this Mm -hmm. helping who is it helping and like stuff like this so yeah documentaries
0: (laughs) yeah definitely I guess it's a really interesting um kind of crossover too of like your previous studies of sustainability and um you know, politics and and understanding things in that sense. And then looking at fashion, there's like a huge psychological aspect to it as well of like, however people dress, even if they don't care about how they dress, it's like an Mm -hmm. expression of themselves. And so it's like understanding things in that way as well from like both a quantitative and qualitative sort of side. Totally. Yeah um what's uh what's the most interesting documentary you've watched recently
1: oh my god yeah this is another thing like um i feel like i watch so many sometimes that this is just it just kind of gets lost somewhere you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and it doesn't it doesn't it's probably you know in this like latent memory and when it's relevant it comes up the the information that you perceived in that documentary i don't know how many days ago Mm -hmm. okay let me think um I don't know. Uh, shit, shit, shit. Only stupid ones come to my mind right now.
0: <laughs> we can also sit on it, and if it comes to you later, then we can we can go back to it.
1: Okay, definitely. Yeah. I'll, I'll sit on it a bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Um,
1: yeah, but that's... Oh my God, I got it, I got it. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I watched this one on, on Deutsche Welle. They actually make... Quite interesting documentaries, I have to say. Um, This was about um, refugees from Congo who got um, a green card in America as a part of some foundation, some program or something. And so the documentary followed uh, a family, a single man, and uh, i think uh, uh, another group i don't remember who they were but so this was just following them as they arrived in america in the u.s Mm -hmm. and uh, just the first few weeks few months and it was just so crazy how uh like i don't know it's gonna sound stupid and maybe privileged or whatever but um i was just really watching this with like an open mouth because it's really crazy how different the worlds are Mm -hmm. and what the people in the west don't realize they've done basically
0: like i was just
1: uh, like a white guilt washed over me (laughs) yeah totally yeah but it was it was also kind of funny because like the people were just so happy so it was like a positive vibe like it was nice to watch them you know and this guy was calling somebody back in congo like a friend and he was like every day is is christmas in america and i'm like it Aww. is look at them they're fucking it up for themselves
0: <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> yeah oh that's what was
1: one that you watched do you remember
0: Oof! Um, what is one I've watched recently? I I have been <laughs> I have been not watching documentaries recently, even though I really love them. I like kind of fell in a hole of watching <laughs> Real Housewives, and so I'm I'm watching Real Housewives of New York. Um, maybe in part because like I'm going to be moving to New York, and I'm just like mm, let's get reacquainted with <laughs> North American mm-hmm. culture. Um, even though obviously that's so different from what my life would be like there. Um, <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what the future holds? But yeah, so I've, I've been pretty hard into that actually for the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it's kind of eaten my brain and I, I can't really remember stuff I've seen before it. Um, yeah, but it's it's been interesting as well. Like reality TV... I was never one, I was never super into it before. Um, and I think it's so interesting, just like the editing styles mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, how maybe some similarities and differences between editing styles in, you know, American reality TV and like American documentaries um, versus like ones from other countries as well. Yeah. And even just like the different genres between reality TV and and documentaries where one is, they're both made as a form of something to consume, but one is, you know, much more lighthearted in a way and much more mm, sensationalized in, in a certain comedic way often. Um, whereas like the documentaries, you know, of course they're portraying a certain point of view or a certain kind of angle and stuff like that but they're they're generally much more serious
1: yeah i mean i have nothing against reality tv mm. <laughs> um was the the last one i saw um i don't know i just love island comes to mind that's uh that's something i watched uh, i've
0: never seen it all of my british friends <laughs> are he is talking
1: about it it's it's quite addictive and i don't know why because it's just people talking about relationships all day long yeah (laughs) yeah and i think i'm missing a lot of humor because i'm not british i watched it with my english friend and and she just like filled in so many gaps and i'm like okay i'm I'm really not getting the full picture (laughs) here (laughs) yeah
0: yeah i'm sure there are like some Small cultural references. But I mean, I guess in Edinburgh, you, you picked up at least part of that.
1: For sure. I just didn't hang out with English people. They were mostly mm. Scottish. So I definitely pick up like picked up on, you know. Some general uh,
0: British stuff, but yeah, not. Yeah, the
1: general British stuff and maybe some Scottish things, but not mm-hmm. English not so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Um, and. When you went to Scotland, what made you choose going
1: there? Um, so my mom, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she was a single mom, and she made it her mission to uh, for me to have a better life. Right, so mm-hmm. um, she put me in um, in a bilingual school first. That was uh, there were some subjects in English, and she really worked on it to like. know educate me and so i ended up in the in a high school that was uh international british school and i went there on scholarship i I got in there and then they were all uh putting applications for for these uk schools and i was like well i I mean i can't really go there like we don't have money for this you know Mm -hmm. um but they were like just apply anyway like it's uh the school pays for the application i'm like okay great and so i applied a bunch of unis but I, I still in my head i was going to prague because that's oh, close yeah. to home and way 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 cheaper um, so I got into those unis and I'm like, okay, well, great. I'm still going to Prague. And then um, one afternoon, the, the headmistress actually called me in her office and she said, so we know that you can't go because you can't afford this, but like you got into like a top five uni and like we want to support you. So she she offered another scholarship. So they basically wow. paid for my four years of me being there and that's why i chose that uni i mean why i chose the subject was because i was vegan at the time i was really mm-hmm. into this like i i don't know i just went down the rabbit hole of like environmentalism and veganism yeah. and i was just such a fighter and like i'm going to save the world and you know all mm-hmm. of this uh why I died <laughs> yeah and so I chose the best option for me because I didn't have to worry about having to pay for it so that's mm-hmm. how I ended up there
0: nice um yes and you're not vegan now no no judgment I'm just asking out of curiosity not,
1: not anymore no yeah it was the funniest story as well when I was vegan for three years and then I was never really like tempted i never wanted to eat anything that came from animals and Mm -hmm. then just uh or i just really didn't want to like I was super happy with my rice and beans and veggies and whatever. Like while everybody around me was eating whatever else, uh, yummies and fast food, I just didn't care. And mm-hmm. then came a time, and I don't know what happened to me, but basically I just started craving cheese. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I still don't know what the trigger was. And then I just kind of was forcing myself for like three months, and I was like, well, I mean, is what's the point of this if I have to force myself? And I just started eating g- cheese again. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's funny i have a similar I, I experience actually. yeah it's good I, to listen to
0: your body though it's like really good to if your body is screaming at you to do something I to, guess
1: so but to then be, I, re- I read a yeah. few articles and apparently cheese is like super funny like substance like mm. brain gets addicted to what's in cheese and that, that's yeah. why it's so hard to like get rid of it and then I'm like wondering how did I go these three years without it like super happy and then just my brain was like mm-hmm. remember cheese
0: yeah yeah <laughs> I don't know I I was kind of oscillating between like a vegan and an ovo vegetarian like just eating eggs mm-hmm. I, I used to be more allergic to dairy but I remember being in a yoga class once and I was just like at the start of the class and we were stretching out, like getting into downward dog. And then all of a sudden my brain did something similar and it was like, you really want a hamburger. And like, not like a a vegan veggie burger, but like a hamburger. (laughs) And I was laying on my mat doing yoga for like an hour, just like salivating. And the first thing I did when I got out was I was like, I have to have to get a hamburger and that's wow. what i imagine being pregnant and getting some sort of like cravings would be like
1: yeah sounds yeah. like i'm just uh, really uh, amazed by the connection that you were at the yoga class <laughs> <when> <laughs> this happened to you yeah like yeah, in, my, in my in my zen mode <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that was maybe your subconsciousness somehow
0: <laughs> i don't know um Maybe relating to kind of a intersection between sustainability and, and veganism, um, yeah, like, obviously, they don't always go hand in hand, or maybe not obviously, but sometimes they, they don't go hand in hand with, for example, certain products that are vegan but actually take like more energy and are less biodegradable and are actually less sustainable in in certain aspects than for sure um you know once things that come from 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 animals right and so i would love to hear your thoughts on that um kind of where they do cross where they don't cross from from your experience and um maybe just your thoughts
1: well, I mean, yeah, it's like complicated, right? Like, um, can any of us really live a sustainable life in in these conditions and in this system? yeah, but there there are ways to like um not having to be vegan kind of um I don't know, example my my mom's friend he lives in a house, and the guy next to like the his neighbor he has chickens. so like the guy with the chickens gives my gives my mom's friend uh, the eggs, and then it's like, Is that bad, you know, like you see the chickens run around and like Mm -hmm. they're happy and the the, the eggs are, it's it's not like a mass production. So like, I don't, I wouldn't see a problem with this. Like, Mm -hmm. I think, um, when I was vegan, I saw it very black and white. And I was this kind of militant vegan as well. You know, the, the, the ones that people joke about, like <laughs> the ones who can't stop talking about it, the one who is constantly trying to convert everybody. And if they can't convert them, they will condemn them and never speak, mm-hmm. to them, speak to them. So I was really not popular at school <laughs> for this. <laughs> I was a, I was a feminist and a vegan and in Slovakia in like early 2000s that was <laughs> yeah. a thing especially in a classroom mm-hmm. the guys were like she's whack
0: yeah. um
1: and so yeah i don't know the the, the interlab between the sustainability and veganism like i think there 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 was like a specification right now with the people saying plant-based rather than vegan because mm-hmm. vegan is just like anything that's not from um from animal uh, products and uh so that that's the distinction then like if you're plant-based that means that you actually care about the planet and the the your diet as opposed to just not eating animals so mm-hmm. yeah as, as a vegan i was uh, uh, this kind of yeah intersectional vegan let's say like i cared about the environmental impact the i didn't want to torture animals and um also the um what was the, the third thing there I don't remember, well, for the health, right? Mm-hmm. For my health. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was a really chubby teenager on top of that. So like when I discovered veganism, I basically stuffed my face all day long and I was losing kilos because I was just eating healthy, good stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not always the case, I guess. If I remember watching a, I think maybe it was like Dr. Phil or something. Um, and this one girl came on there who was a like very hardcore vegan but she only ate potatoes she like didn't like vegetables <laughs> she only oh, she wow. only ate like potato chips and like uh-huh. bread and yeah um, not that that's what you're doing but
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I do eat chips. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um and then maybe when it relates into fashion as well like with mm-hmm. vegan certain vegan leathers. Um, right. Like, obviously, what you're concentrating on is more upcycling and, and reusing um, fabrics and, and reusing pieces of clothing to, to make new things that can be loved again and, and in different ways. Um, yeah, maybe if you have any thoughts on kind of certain, certain non-biodegradable vegan materials...
1: Right. Yeah. I mean that just kind of goes back to the like the greenwashing really I feel like uh, with a lot of these vegan um uh, uh fabrics or whatever like I think the original vegan leather was actually made from like the 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 people who originally made it called it vegan leather was made from recycled materials and that's why you know it wasn't leather it wasn't from animals but it was also recycled so I think that was a that was a good move. and then it kind of got hijacked, obviously, and then you know every, everything was vegan all of a sudden and you're just asking mm. yourself like, okay, like I guess um, cotton is vegan as well, you know <laughs> like nobody calls it yeah. vegan. Um, so I think with with leather it's um I don't know, I, maybe people have different opinions, but what I do, is uh i don't necessarily stay away from it like for example i found a like a a bunch of scraps that somebody was selling on ebay like just Mm -hmm. leather real leather scraps and they were small offcuts. some of them you know 10 by 10 centimeters or even a little bit bigger and they were just somebody's scraps they didn't want them they used whatever they could and then this is what they what was left and i bought that and i i obviously it crossed my mind like okay this is leather like is this is this sustainable or should i be using this am i promoting leather by using this but you know and then i was like well um i mean it's scraps like it's it's rubbish like if i i would use it i don't have a problem with this like, it, it did come from animals but they didn't kill them for my purchase
0: totally you know
1: so i guess i don't know i'm more from a moral standpoint i don't have a problem with this just like i don't have a problem with people wearing fur if the fur is vintage mm-hmm. i have a problem with like this industry keep going um also some people would argue again and i, I understand this point as well that if you wear fur then it's promoting fur and then you know the cycle kind of never stops and obviously uh, the human humankind developed enough so that we don't have to wear these things like there are perfectly um practical fabrics that keep us warm so we don't have to wear fur but then again like what are we supposed to do with all the fur coats that were made already
0: yeah don't and you? i
1: just say wear them
0: <laughs> by that logic too then if you know seeing people wearing reused. Fur coats is promoting people to want more fur coats. Mm-hmm. Then, by way of that, like all vegan fur coats are still promoting that cycle.
1: Well, that's another thing. Like this, this I'm also, I'm not quite on board with. Like, you know, Stella McCartney, for example, being hailed as like the sustainable designer and what she was doing some years ago is trying to develop. Uh, fake fur that is exactly like the real deal it looks the same it behaves the same blah 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 and i'm just like okay well this is exactly what we don't need like this is the continuation Mm -hmm. of this shit because um to make these things like what do you think they're made of like these are um synthetic materials like Mm -hmm. and and the waste from that and just like all the shit that went into researching this like it's just unnecessary i don't know why stella is such a sustainable designer when like people don't really kind of look deeper into this you know what do you yeah
0: no i i think the same i think and this isn't meant to come off as a cynical um opinion more so just like how i see it as reality like another kind of uh product line available within like a capitalist system to like sell you know you're going to be selling fur to the people who buy fur and then vegan fur to the people who want vegan fur and it's kind of just the same and it's not addressing perhaps like the real issue or the real issues which would be Um, just the way we buy in general Mm -hmm. and, um, the way we throw things away. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you like maybe kind of thinking of that to allow people or to, to make services like what you do more accessible and to kind of change mindsets or or even just like make information accessible to people like even with the Stella McCartney stuff what are some ways you think that people can I don't know learn a bit more about this and and kind of be exposed perhaps to to some differing educational tools Mm -hmm. um, yeah or stuff like that
1: Well, I think a lot of this is happening on Instagram these days. Like, there's a lot of you know these educational posts. Like, people take time there are that to make these to explain. You know, they they do the work for you as if so. Like, all you need to do is follow a bunch of these people, and they'll they'll keep you up to date. You know, there are so many interesting thoughts. Just you know, you don't need to be um, a scientist or like a researcher to um to find out about these things and so like for me it's very helpful to follow these people like aja barber she's great she keeps talking about fashion and uh, everything related or there's a bunch of them like on my instagram if you go in my highlights i um there's a a few accounts that uh, talk about this that educate about these things um so yeah you don't really need to go that far to get new you know to sort of give you some food for thought um, but uh, i think the problem mostly is that it's like you know the echo the echo chambers so some people would mm. never even come across this but at the same time the other day i was watching aja barber on al jazeera and like that probably gets a lot of um views from you know just like the wider the wider audiences so i was really happy about that it's you know she was basically like speaking everything that was on my mind i was like i'm so happy somebody's saying this on tv it was amazing Mm-hmm. um and this is you know better late than never like I'm sure Aja was talking about this for I don't know a decade but like only now mm-hmm. the, the platform is like the 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 media is kind of ready for you know like letting people speak about this so like mm-hmm. it's um it's on the rise and, and that's great
0: mm-hmm. yeah um what kind of advice do you have for anyone who wants to start upcycling their clothes or, or learning? the sewing you know sewing machine uh techniques and stuff like that like how long was it until you felt comfortable because you, you hadn't sewn too much before right or or had you
1: well so i had um my I started the shop three years ago mm-hmm. and I've been sewing for like five or six even. So like mm-hmm. when I when I moved here, when I moved to Berlin, I it's got a allowed. sewing machine. I got a really mm-hmm. shitty little sewing machine and I just started. So, um, and I just did it every day and I was just so into it. So my advice would be, um yeah start small get a secondhand machine see how you like it you know maybe it's not for everybody like it's very Mm. tedious there is a lot to learn um upcycling should be also about not creating more waste (laughs) than, than you started with you know so and this is a process so like one does need to keep that in mind if if you're doing upcycling for you know, the right reasons and not just to sell it because it's a trend. It's like mm-hmm. that I don't quite condone. And mm-hmm. there is a lot of that out there, you know, like when I was starting three years ago, there was literally no one and I was looking because I was like, I need a role model. I need somebody who's doing this, who, you know, like just to model myself like where I wanna be in terms of, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, just just everything, like business, I, I really had no idea what I was starting. So I, I wanted some inspiration, but I couldn't find any or couldn't find much. And uh, now, you know, every day I see a new brand popping up, upcycling this, upcycling that. And there are some really, really interesting ones, great ones, very specific ones. But at the same time, I do keep seeing as well, just you know, people cutting off a logo from a T-shirt and putting it on something, and then I'm like, okay, "What did you do with the T-shirt then?" Like, show me that as well. Like, I want to know. Yeah, uh, I keep all my scraps and I keep reusing them. And the really tiny ones, I I make um, like cushion, like I fill cushions with them. <laughs> so, um, I really so it's really really no waste. I really try, like, this is, you know, it's important. So I, I think this also needs to be specified more, like, what is upcycling? Like, it it's mm-hmm. not just about, you know, making something that's more expensive than the original thing. Like, it's, it's much more than that. And so whoever wants to start with this should first understand what upcycling is and what goes into it they should be passionate about these things and then then it will work and then also have a lot of time to experiment i guess if you want to make it a full-time thing if you want to just you know have it as a hobby then get a shitty shitty sewing machine or i don't know ask a ask a friend who has one and then like borrow it and uh, just experiment i, I learned from youtube tutorials i got a bunch of books um and that's kind of how i did it just like figuring it out as i as i went i still feel like some of my you know uh quote techniques unquote are not um how how a seamstress would do it (laughs) Mm -hmm. but uh, but i but i feel like if the technique is good in terms of it it's like the piece is durable, then I'm happy with it. that's that's fine by me, you know, even mm-hmm. if it's a bit unconventional. So yeah that that would be my advice. Yeah.
0: and um, so obviously last year disrupted everything. you kind of had your your plans for what you wanted to do um, but had to reevaluate that like this year and you know hopefully whenever, things open up a little bit more or even if they don't like how has that shifted your plans what are your plans for the future um yeah and to whatever degree you're comfortable
1: divulging (laughs) um yeah my plan shifted I mean I think the biggest plan that I had to wait was uh me getting a space Mm -hmm. because I work from home still and I think it's getting a bit claustrophobic like I'm getting like more equipment just so the quality goes up. That's my obsession. Like I just want the quality to be like perfect and Mm -hmm. uh, just to be the best I can provide, you know, so, so I don't have equipment that's sort of holding it back. Like I want my skill to, you know, show. Um, And so I wanted to get a space. Um, and then, like, I just had to like start looking at um, my bank account, and I was like, okay, um, you know, this is not gonna cut it, and I really don't feel um, stable enough to, 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 to be able to pay for a space in Berlin. Like, the, these places are not cheap. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily want it for like a shop front. I really just wanted to have a studio away from home because mm-hmm. I'm also like, I live with my boyfriend and like, this is also his living room and he's a good sport. He'd never, never complains, but I feel a bit bad that, you know, it's a living space that he's yeah. al- almost like not allowed to like go into like for the <laughs> most of the day. And so, yeah, this had to be postponed. What else? Uh, I, I I really wanted some like, like help with what I do, let's say an assistant. And it was just like everything to do with finance had to like, just mm-hmm. wait because, you know, if people don't have to go anywhere, they don't need any clothes. And so my sales yeah. were way down and, uh, yeah, i a bunch of times I had to sell my soul to the devil, um, i.e. corporations because that's you know what paid my bills this year totally yeah
0: yeah and what you gotta do to to just be able to live um what are some things you're thankful for in the last year and a bit
1: oh my god just i just the very basic thing like you know where i was born and and how like not how but just you know like i have a place to live and i have a food in my some food in my fridge so i'm good like that's what i'm grateful for i have people i have people who love me Mm -hmm. and i have a thing that i love doing and i get to do it and this i can't be you know more grateful for these three things
0: yeah those are those are huge and i think maybe moments like or times like what we've experienced really make us appreciate the things that we don't always for sure take the time to to appreciate
1: yeah i i mean mm-hmm. you know i was i was pretty happy with who i was locked down with like mm-hmm. my partner is uh is it was great support for me through this through this time because mm-hmm. um he's just my fan and uh, that was just good to have him you know hold my hand when I wasn't selling anything (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. yeah totally yeah yeah, maybe one question I ask everyone um, is what are you seeking and it doesn't have to be what are you seeking with your work it doesn't have to be you know specific to anything but it I'll leave it open-ended.
1: Um, well, so I learned apparently what, what drives people is a, a changed state of mind. Like we we are all looking to change our state of mind, you know, like mm. to I don't know, be happy or get excitement or do this and do that. So I feel like this is this I, I relate to this kind of theory, like. I do seek change, changing my state of mind. So like, I don't know, um, the experience and adventure, maybe because I'm Sagittarius, I seek adventure. (laughs) I don't feel like I have enough of that. I feel like that's Mm -hmm. why I'm, uh, you know, I feel boring. I feel stagnant when I'm just, when like during Corona, because I can't go anywhere, I can't do anything. And that, that, um, was, really shitty <laughs> about this <laughs> um so yeah I, I i'd say i'm seeking adventure and mm. change states of mind
0: mm-hmm. yeah particularly maybe not particularly but or maybe particular particularly important for creative
1: people i think right um, i guess for inspiration or whatever
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah. What would it have been like if you went into politics?
1: Oh, girl! (laughs) (laughs) You know, obviously, uh, this—I thought about this, and I'm just like—I think every time I do, I'm like, I'm—I'm good. I'm good here because, <laughs> because I, I just I don't think I could deal with it, you know, like the the trope of the hysterical woman who' just mm. too emotional for politics, like that would be me. like mm-hmm. i I feel like I would be shouting at everybody when they would you know get on my nerves. Mm-hmm. i I shout at the I shout at the news because I'm just so ticked off by what's happening <laughs> in the world. so I, I don't think mm-hmm. I would be successful. Because um, these, like, you know, stereotypically masculine traits, I don't really have uh, in in this respect. Like, I'm, I try to be rational, but I don't think that's a good thing. Like, it should be a balance. And I think this would really, Mm -hmm. really get in my nerves in politics that they would, that I would feel like I I can't be emotional. Mm -hmm. And also having to deal with, hetero cis, white men all day long i mm. just couldn't do it i don't do it in my normal life i couldn't <laughs> do it in my professional life mm. so yeah no no uh no qualms about where you are no like no wishing that you went into politics Path not stuff. taken yeah. no i don't think so i mean like mm. that's what that's what was kind of you know i finished these studies and i was like okay what can i be And it was Mm -hmm. at the time still kind of an an experimental course. Like when I started, when I went in first year, the, the oldest people in that course have not yet graduated. They were in the third year. So they didn't really know where this would lead. So it was all very kind of vague. Like when, you know, they would ask, like when they would try to sort of tell us like, what's our career options or career paths. It was very, you know... Uh, vague and like a lot of it was maybe consultancy or like working for the un for the eu for the development office and stuff like this and i just kind of when i was there i could never really picture myself in these places i i thought mm-hmm. they would be boring and and all these people are, are important and mm-hmm. what they do you know Um, Mm -hmm. definitely also more potential if I had gone in in, and taken this path would be maybe more potential to change things from the inside you know yeah I I do what I can from from uh, the outside and uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know like and more and more I have problems with the with the government (laughs) (laughs) not that I have problems but like (laughs) the idea of of how it's assembled Today, I think yeah. it's problematic. So in a way, I'd feel maybe complicit if I worked for the government.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I guess, too, who knows what the future holds? Not that you'll have a seat as a politician necessarily, but that maybe we can find ways to make a greater impact as individuals or or as people outside of the, the governing bodies,
1: yeah, I'd hope so. I mean, you know, what we need is just people get a little bit more excited about politics because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's a it's governing our lives. Like you sh- you should know what's what's up. Everybody mm-hmm. should know, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um cool. And what are you working on right now? Maybe like are you working on any new lines or any uh yeah, anything fun?
1: I just uh, finished some lines, so they, mm-hmm. they just went out. There is one more that's going to drop soon. It's going to be um, swimsuits made from scraps and some beach Ooh, wear. Uh, yeah. Perfect for lake season. For sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. what else we're going to do this summer, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, i'm gonna yeah um lots of things always but not not exactly a line Mm -hmm. um i i'm trying to you know it's it's a lot of work and uh maybe also now is not a good time to like release too many things and i Mm -hmm. you know finally this year i had time to sort of plan this and that's what i did and it went out and i'm happy but i'm also a little bit worried that people will not buy it because Mm -hmm. they don't have money they can't go anywhere anyway so i i think i'm gonna you know make a bit less so i haven't planned anything uh like in my own collections but what i'm working on is um uh, this uh, ethical flower shop i <laughs> called cool. asked me uh, to make their uniforms. Oh my gosh! Make, yeah, and to make some merch. So um, the the woman who uh, leads this this shop, she is from Moldova, and she was in mm-hmm. Moldova recently, and she brought back um, nurses scrubs um, for me to 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 rework into these aprons for the flower shop and with the leftovers i'm gonna make the merch so this is what i'm working on right now it's quite uh it's quite interesting i had to like research flower shop apron like what mm-hmm. does it need to have what uh, what does know? it need to have well you need um it's either made from a, a waterproof material mm-hmm. which i don't really have and i don't want to use the the silicone spray because i don't yeah, yeah that's just unnecessary but i found some mm-hmm some scraps of plastic uh material that i could sew on in like the front panel so they you know so that they can stay dry (laughs) Mm. for example that they need a lot of pockets because they use a lot of tools and you know stuff like this Mm.
0: cool well excited to see it um But yeah, thank you so much for for coming on today and making the time. It was really amazing to to hear more about what you do.
1: For sure. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited you asked me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, thanks again and chat soon. Yes, chat soon.